Hey y'all, this is Ledge, and before we get to this episode, I want to tell you a quick story. I remember when we were contacted by one of the top video fitness apps in the United States, and they were doing a total rebuild, and they wanted to do that with our engineers. So we set that up, and we've been at it for two years with 10 different team members in every possible skill set from design to product management to scrum master to development. And it's been a really exciting journey where we are completely in charge of staffing that entire team for them. That's not a common scenario, but it just gives you an idea of the reach that we can bring to the table, you know, time and time again for mobile apps and for web apps and for design. And I think that's really one of the strengths of the huge bench of talent that we bring to the table. Now for our episode. This is the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. James, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Ledge, thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. So I came to, to know of your story in a, in a roundabout way that I thought was super interesting and it would be fun to, to have you on and, and tell the story of Community Phone and, and everything that came from you know uh, your work and then kind of took you up to, to where you guys are now. Um, you can introduce the company a little bit, tell, tell the listeners kind of what it's about and, uh, and give your own you know, kind of personal take on that story. Yeah, totally. So uh, f- phone companies just sort of the, the problem is that phone companies have been truly uh, terrible to a lot of people for a while. They're hard to work with. They're hard to get a hold of. And they have inflexible uh, prices that are really, really high. And I like to think of there being three major religions in the United States. Number one is the NFL. Number two is Christianity. And number three is sort of in United We Stand against Comcast and Verizon. And we're really trying to help address that third world religion or U.S. religion. Um, and, and how we do that is by buying in bulk uh, minutes, text messages, and high-speed gigabytes from all the major carriers around the world whose networks already work. And we match you, a subscriber or a business or a state government or a trust or whatever, with the best possible plan for you um, in, in a s- streamlined, simple way. Um, and, and sort of how we got there. Um, and I'm happy to go into sort of a lot of the current business stuff in a moment. But but how we got there is really more a lesson in just uh, not really having any much of an idea of where we were going, but more just hanging on. Um, and it actually uh, like we it's it's rather embarrassing because um, when we I was initially started a previous company that's called uh, Caffeine Computing um, or CAFFEI.net. And caffeine is the fastest way to establish a TLS connection on iOS, so to make HTTPS much, much faster. Because at the time, I was running a development consultancy out of Boston, and we observed that a lot of our clients would forego the use of HTTPS for one of two reasons. The first one is that a lot of them didn't know how to set it up. A lot of the developers were more familiar with writing animations um, than like getting the right ciphers. Uh, and, and then secondly, that it would slow down the application. It would actually increase the latency because you have those additional round trips and so on. And so we ventured uh, in the form of caffeine to re- remove that dichotomy, to improve the performance and security of applications. And so we created this drag and drop framework that would dynamically link 
into your application uh, that would use a protocol entirely separate from HTTPS, use Daniel J. Bernstein's NACL, um, you know, perfect forward secrecy, certificate pinning, sort of all out of the box. Um, and it would reduce round trips on mobile networks to improve the latency. Um, and we saw this as a problem to, mm-hmm. or really a solution for long tail user privacy problems. We thought like all apps, all startups will, you know, think this is the second coming of Christ in a handbag because they'll finally be able to get their application secure and performant. But really, the only people who really were interested at all were already very large and established applications that saw it as a causal method in reducing latency to improve revenue. So our whole lives at Caffeine became helping already massively established retail companies selling shoes or selling, you know, plane tickets online squeeze out an additional three and a half percent more per month and like they don't they don't need help like we got into this (laughs) business to try to help like the small guys you know have the same privacy parity as you know they're the next big you know red hat or whatever and the only people who would buy it are like the most filled with steroid capitalist corporations you could think of and like that just that doesn't pull the heartstrings and so like we we kept on thinking like this is wrong. We kept on seeing all these wrong things. Like for example, none of the product managers at any of the apps that you use really care at all about data usage or battery life, right? Um, and as a consumer, that's what you pay for, right? You pay in the form of your electricity bill or you pay in the form of like literally gigabytes to your phone carrier. Um, and so much so that even in like a one to 20 ratio, like one part data that you see as a user on your screen and 20 parts, all the third parties they stuff into your application and just sort of sucking up your data and constantly turning your radio on and off, which is, by the way, is the number one cause for battery life um, sort of badness. It's not actually a problem of battery life on the phone. It's a problem of a far overactive network from all these frameworks that we don't and see. And using it terribly. Yeah. Like very yeah, inefficient right usage of that resource. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what's going on? The network's always free, right? Well, the problem is users aren't attributing it to those apps. They blame themselves or their phone company or their device OEM, right? And so there's an attribution problem. And so we decided between like educating the market or like just going directly to the consumer. And so we tried to repackage the benefits of caffeine in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, one kind of was a VPN. And then we tried uh, actually like, what if we just imbue these benefits just literally in layer three, layer four as a wireless carrier, Right. Like what if we could bring to bear um, like actually saving battery life, improving performance, reducing data uses just in a SIM card. Um, And the you know, I had to really quiet my engineering mind and just try to prove out would these benefits actually be salient to users? Like, do people care enough about this to actually switch their SIM card or to call a different phone company when they have a billing question or to change phone companies, do they actually care enough or is it still all lip service? And in bringing this to market, uh, what we started to do was just really talk to other engineers about this. Cause like, that's who we knew. Like we just knew engineers and like all of them really are on like who could understand our benefits were on their parents' plans. Like you can't beat free because it also right. comes with hugs and kisses and care packages. And like, we can't compete there. And <laughs> what started to happen at the same time on the other side was a lot of our older friends or, you know, professors uh, in the Boston area um, would come to us and say, like, hey, man, like, I've been on Verizon for really since I got a phone, like, in the late 80s, early 90s. 
And, you know, I'm paying them $200 a month. And I just, I think that's a whole car I could be getting. Like, can you help me? And for the first like four months, five months of this, you know, and this is embarrassing. We're saying, no, like, I'm so, like, talk to your kids. Like, we can't help you enough, basically, is what we're saying. Like, you need to go, go to that support group, like, talk to your kids, like, stay out of the streets, you know, like, just stay safe out there and online. But eventually, this just kept happening. These people uh, who are, were older than, you know, 40 years old, uh, 50 years old, um, and, and really were not as familiar with technology as we were, kept sort of asking us for things and eventually we relented and sort of were like sure like we'll let you on like their money's just a screen um and what we started to realize was that the problems for um these types of people are much more severe in nature even though they're less technical and so it was a personal discomfort at least at the start and i've actually learned a lot about myself recently and and it's actually a much more satisfying problem to be solved because now we take people a lot of the time who have never had a smartphone before. And this even includes a Nobel laureate. And we get them onto the modern internet. Um, and the benefits of that are magical. Like they're harder to measure, you know, but they're magical effects where they share discovering like the mobile internet, discovering Uber, you know, for the first time, we help a lot of um, these more uh, older people who are more afraid or less inclined to experiment with technology um, sort of har harness its power. Um, and whatever that means to them. And so our real mission, quote unquote, today is helping people live a better life via that connectedness rather than just providing the connectedness. And so it means like specific goals. So like I want to use Lyft so I can because it's four times cheaper and I can see my mom four times more a month or whatever. Like, sure, we'll put that in a drip campaign and check in with you three months after you've joined just to make sure like you're using it. Like we're here to support you. Right. And so and that's not just a good thing to do. It's selfish because we can attribute a lot of our growth to referrals. Um, and so it just makes sense to like mm -hmm. funnel a lot of our marketing dollars into just higher quality customer service. Um, and that's sort of where we are today um, as this nationwide cell phone carrier. You know, we carry all the devices as well. We got iPhones and the Androids and the Huawei's and all those things. Um, but that's like what we do. We're just kind of a, a friendly phone company. <laughs> And so, I mean, that story is fantastic, you know, and, and you touch in the, the engineering puddles and, you know, and sort of the customer experience stuff. I mean, you could not possibly have wound your way to that in a, a future looking pitch without having had that experience. You know, it's it's just like a, a serendipity kind of well, you're happy nice accident. That. You're, that's really Yeah, well, well, you're really nice to say that to me. Otherwise, like, we would start worrying about, like, how much time did we waste or whatever. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and, and I guess the afterglow of, of that experience, quote unquote, as if it ended, um, is sort of that, like, there's a lot of skepticism when, like, we are, at least me here, people pitch things in this very tightly knit way. Like, this is the future. This is where it's going. This is why. Um because it's much messier than words will let on. Like, you know, words try to approximate nature, but they aren't nature itself, you know? And I think a lot of people get hung up on the descriptions rather than, you know, the uncertainties between the descriptions, which are arguably is where the real opportunities are. So what did this look like putting together 
this company? I mean, you kind of jumped from lab story to making SIM cards to, you know, I mean, now we've got a customer service and and CX sort of uh, focus. There's, there's gotta be some human sort of changes and change management that kind of went into that. I'd love to hear the story of that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, it's a really messy. (laughs) Uh, So the well, well, first, like telecom is a very old boysy kind of world. Um, you know, it's not as accessible as SaaS. You know, in order to spin up an instance, quote unquote, you, you know, you have to have paperwork. You know, there's stuff with the FCC, so there's just you know inherently a bit more uh, red tape. Um, and so, like, I have no telecom experience, right? And so, the first one, like, like we're going to look into every deal that was ever done in the industry really since 2000, just to like get a sort of a a footing on what is actually going on. And um, what we found actually is that there was a big bubble of telecom startups between 2000 and 2008, sort of, you know, after the the first dot com. And so like Disney mobile was a thing, Mickey mouse ears on the phone, you know, ESPN mobile, Amazon wireless, you know, a lot of these companies and also all these, you know, foreign companies trying to break into the US, you know, but but like big brands trying to open up tertiary cash flows by monetizing just their name in these sort of more commoditized like services or products, which and cellular service is a commodity. right? And we found one deal um, with a a company called Netgear, right? And they make the the networking hardware Mm -hmm. for consumers and businesses. And the interesting part in this deal was that they sold the businesses. And um, so their uh, virtual carrier service uh, still existed, pulling down gigabytes from the Sprint network and then allowing businesses to reappropriate them for whatever their their need. Whereas all these other carriers were trying to compete just on new devices and prices to the consumer and they went the way of the Dodo, right? So this company was still around. And the second interesting part with that deal was uh, the, the rights uh, and software were ha- held by neither Sprint nor Netgear. It was held by this third party company, which were more people that were just engineers and like deeply interested in getting telecom right so we were able to get an exclusive done with them you know for to do their consumer right so not only could we go to market much faster because they had a lot of the boilerplate already written but from sprint's point of view at that time we could enjoy unit economics on gigabytes typically reserved for a net gear size right so then that's how we were able to get it done and I'm very biased, but I think that that's the first instance that there's been a bootstrapped um, nationwide cell phone carrier in the United States. Um, and it was because we found that secret. And so we were able to just recycle that capital just immediately, which like we needed, otherwise we would have died um, and, and like just keep living, uh, basically. Um, and so it, it was there's a lot of weird supply chain and getting SIM cards. They come from this, this large Mexican company. You know, it's all. It's all very spider webbed and, and interconnected, um, but it's just a matter of like looking into everything that you can possibly all the deals, right? Like just like we just got lucky. We just found a deal that happened to be like carrying a lot of information about what was possible. Because typically these carriers they don't care about you know thousands of subscribers. They're interested in like Verizon loses two and a half million subscribers a quarter, right? And so they won't even smell your existence unless you have millions and millions and millions of dollars in capital just to get the deal done. Right. And like, we have like thousands of subscribers today. Right. And we've been in business. It'll be our birthday on August 15th, our first birthday. And so we're, we're just meaningless to them. And so that, yeah, that it's good to definitely just like the world is massive 
And you, you, all you need is one person to say yes. Like we weren't optimizing for like getting the most yeses per number of asks or something. Like you just need one yeah, and then you're in. So, yeah, I, don't so, know I mean, you were you were whale hunting. This is this is deal whale hunt. I mean, it may <laughs> never have existed. So, this is a unique level of entrepreneurial crazy because I mean, you're really looking for the only thing, the one, and it may not exist. So, I mean, this this sort of <laughs> Research yeah. environment is it's sort of, it's obvious. I don't think you could pull that off without a, a engineering research sort of mindset. Because very, you yeah. have to love that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, it, it sort of presents in the moment. It it presents itself just in the form of pain. So it's hard. Only retroactively would I use a word like love or like obsession. <laughs> maybe it's but uh, right, right. but uh, yeah. Yeah, and same with in, you know investing. By the way, and I just mentioned to you, we just raised our um, our seed round. I mean, with that, and I think this a lot of this comes from like people, like how people grow up. Like it, for while you're growing up, a lot of really you have institutions and authorities all around you whose sole job is to filter the raw world for you and to give you the labels for you. And so it's very uncomfortable if you get all these rejections, you know, if you're raising money or trying to find carriers or, or what have you, um, because you're dealing directly with the raw world and you don't understand the import of that rejection. If there is an import, does it have any information? Am I totally incompetent or not? Like it just all has to be self-described. And the beautiful part is that similar, you just need one, right? And so with investment or whatever, you just need a couple of good partners, and you, you've done your round. But of course, what's reported in the media is not like how many no's they received or how long they've been fundraising. You know, it's just like it happened. And so there's such a survivorship bias from the world's point of view, I think, because we just see the successes. And then when we go and we do the thing and we start encountering failure, we start thinking like, oh, this is different. I must have something wrong compared to the people that I read about. It's like no man, just keep pushing. Like you probably that you probably like just you know listen carefully, but like just keep doing it. <laughs> right, keep so, doing yeah, it because I, you refuse to sort of fail. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I mean you, you're probably learning what every salesperson learns, and that's you know I I need to eat nose for breakfast with with milk on, and you know just sort <laughs> of like this is how it's done. You know I need I need a lot of targets, and I need to get told no in the quickest way possible. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you've done a lot of stuff in sales and like, and hopefully you can get a no, you know, as you, I'm sure well understand, like no is the second best answer. <laughs> no is the second best answer. The worst answer is maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or like, I like you as a person, let's meet again, but I'm not going to close. <laughs> it's like, no, they won't. It's not closing. They have no interest. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and, and and you have to get the the confidence together to just know that anything but a yes is a no, and put it away because right. you're gonna you need them to call you back later because you don't keep checking back. And I, I think the <laughs> the siren song of the maybe is is what kills so many people that uh, and, and you know you may just be in a space where you're selling or pitching or whatever you're putting a thing out there that will never work and so you do have to make sometimes the decision of uh, what's what's my tolerance for this and uh, right. at what point have i determined that uh, in fact the equation will will never work but that's that's the thing that the crazy entrepreneurs that win you know sort of push it a little yeah. bit farther yeah. than everybody else 
<laughs> and how do you right. how do you handle the um, I don't know the the whole being a technology guy and you know obviously somebody like you're a you're a pretty big thinker I can I can tell you got to run a company um, you got to you're CEO right founder and there's there's a lot of you know sort of eighty percent mundane sort of running company things that you must have to do that that don't scratch the itch how do you fit that all together, like get it done uh, to be that, you know, sort of executive leader yeah, now, you're, you're a company. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but, but yeah, and like, you know, probably even the first step is like, I probably have those even internal metrics mislabeled. Like I'm probably thinking that I am doing a good enough job or at least understanding the extent to which I'm not doing a good enough job already. And I probably, I'm probably wrong on that. Like, A, like I probably don't even know consciously, you know, what I'm allocating to, you know, the described mundane or necessary, you know, important stuff of following our process versus the more open-ended stuff. Like I'm probably not even instrumenting that well enough. Um, just first, uh, and, and sort of secondly, um, I think, that the best answer that I can come up with, and like it's it's maybe not even a good answer. Like hopefully I'll have a better one for you later. But is to find people who already like have a very intense interest in some component of the business, whether that's the customer success, you know, or a specific part of the stack, you know, and and like who have a real you know clear idea or a set of questions for like what it could become and why and how that fits into our mission as a business. And like, I just try to give, have them give me instructions and like, but then it becomes like, how do we find those people? Like that is so hard. Uh, that's, they mm -hmm. need, you know, a product like, you know, like gun for, you know, or whatever. Um, because finding those people is probably one of the most important things, if not the most important thing. But once you have them, like what I try to do is I listen real carefully and I, I got to shut up more than I have been, you know? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that's absolutely right. I that's my own experience, and I think you collect great people as an entrepreneur, and you take them with you, and you you know you continue to build things together. That that it is, it's all who you know, but not in that sort of access kind of way. It's really in um, that we now sh share brainwaves, and the reconstruction of that uh, psychic gel would be so cumbersome that I don't ever want to do it again. Just come with me to the next one. So. <laughs> right. right. You're in this boat and you guys are going together. You know, one of them might have started smelling halfway mm -hmm. through the journey, but he's still great, you know, at, right, at whatever. Right. And, so, and you yeah, get to the people that you just sort of keep bringing along and they're just like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but sure, let's do another one. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and I know this has got to get done over here and you got to stop bothering me. Like, I respect you but you just got to stop talking and let me do my job. It's like, I appreciate you for saying that. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of open communication, not, not dissimilar to marriage. Yeah. So, yeah, right. um, <laughs> well, I think, I think, yeah, I, I'm not married. Um, but I, I think that that is a, a great analogy, you know, um, you know, for a lot, a lot of things in, in business. <laughs> you'll, you'll see soon enough, eventually. Um, so before we go, yeah, like just give, I want you to give a clean, clean sort of pitch of, you know, uh, of community fund. I, I think this is awesome. I never heard of it until we got introduced and um, people should know about your product. I think you guys are doing uh, some awesome stuff. So just, you know, sort of lay that out there because I want the listeners to, to hear about it. 
Yeah, to- totally. Um, and and also, I think if any of the listeners come from here, they should definitely let us know because we have free months and so on available. Um, but uh, if, if you're paying more than $35 a month um, for your cell phone uh, bill, um, or you are upset with your coverage, or you don't like the way your phone company treats you and know that you deserve a bit more respect, um, it were definitely worth looking into, um, community phone. We have the exact same nationwide coverage as all of the same networks that you use because we use them, except we get much cheaper rates because we buy in mass bulk. And we do a lot of prediction to understand your your usage over time. And so we're able to get your prices much, much lower and because we're not overbuying from them um, in an ongoing basis. So all our plans are month to month with no types of contracts at all. Um, you know, we have all the GSM and CDMA networks. We sell iPhones and Androids and we work. You can bring over your existing phones, um, but it's just a, a, a friendly phone company um, sort of finally uh, is, is available. So that, that, that'd be it. That's awesome, man. Well, James, I've really enjoyed this. You are obviously a brilliant guy and we're going to have to pick your brain some more on some other more esoteric things in the future. I appreciate that legend. And again, I, I'm good at making him maybe seem that way, but like, you know, a couple of questions away from. from so I. Yeah. <laughs> All I do is Always. ask questions. So. <laughs> Thanks right, for spending well, thank time you, with Ledger. us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Okay. Be well. Thanks for listening to the frontier podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.